one. So you know what I've just realized? That the countdown problem may actually be Gibbs. See, I've been thinking it's you. But I think it's Gibbs. Now, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mosby Learning Podcast. Uh, my name is Dan Hurt. I'm calling in from Mississauga, Ontario. And my name is Adam Costix, and I'm calling in from Dallas, Texas. Does that make sense, though? Because everything, it was, this was a flawless countdown. Per- so I don't, I, the only variable that's changed here is Gibbs. Yeah, I think and, we were doing it perfect uh, in the first couple of episodes without Gibbs. And then yes. all of a sudden, now we can't get a countdown, right? Last three or four weeks, it's been, uh, <laughs> the audience is like, what are they doing? They just keep yeah. counting. These guys can't count to save them lives. So as you may have noticed, uh, we are short one voice this week, but that's all right. This is kind of how this started. Gibbs will be back. Uh, she's just taking the week off. I had a lot of stuff going on. Uh, nothing wrong there um, but if you want to download this episode or go directly to the show notes you can go to mosby.ca slash zero uh, <clears throat> let me try that again mosby.ca slash zero one one there's uh, only a single zero and then two ones on the end of that can you but, believe that um, already 11 episodes it's pretty cool, right? It is. It goes, it goes by quick. It very goes by quick. very, very quick because there's a lot of stuff in between one show and the other where we're scrambling, uh, some more than others, but we're scrambling to wow. find things to make what sure a that dig. it's... <laughs> I didn't say who. You just outed yourself, <laughs> It was <bro>. implied. <laughs> it was implied. Um, if you want to call either of us out, mosbylearning at gmail.com. And uh, do we have anything from the mailbag this week, Adam? We do not. We do not, but maybe we will next week. I'm, I'm, I shouldn't ask that question uh, while we're recording, actually, because yeah. it doesn't know, sound I mean, very we should, professional. We should always look, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Um, this week, oh, you know what we did have? Hang on. We did have a note that came in for a uh, you done messed up segment. Let me just pull this up real quick. You had music and ice flow. You done messed up, Aaron. Yeah, that's right. That's the music. That's so I have a note afterwards to know which song I have to credit. Oh, that was under the corrections and omissions. So. It is. It is. So we did have a, uh, a note come in from a Portland office. Uh, and here is the note. I'll just read it as it was written to, to us. Uh, any individual, this is this is an apology of sorts. Um, uh, any individuals who identify as German or possess a German accent do not sound less attractive than any other group. In the future, we will also refrain from referring to BMW or any other German vehicle brands as potential targets in any hypothetical threat situations. So uh, apologies all around. And I think that concludes our You Done Messed Up segment. Are you serious? Uh, so so thank, thank you for the, well, that's, that's the Portland office. They just kind of reach in every now and then gotcha. and just kind of yes. check in on things. Um, so this week, there were, there were a few things that, that came out, a few headlines that I kind of wanted to walk through. One of them wasn't a headline at all, but it was something that a guy that we've talked about before, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, it's kind of spelt like it sounds there, but he um, he's that social media monster, really. How would you how would you sum him up, Adam? Um, kind of a, oh, I'm going to use some some things. I was going to say, you know, social media evangelist. He, he owns, you know, Vaynerchuk Media, and so he does a lot of things on Twitter, he's speaking engagements, he works with companies and really gets them going on social media. So he's a personal brand himself. And then his company works with companies on trying to get better on social media. Um, And we'll keep talking about him. But he sent me just a uh, a note, actually. He sent you a note. Yes. 
Well, now I'm interested. It was very, you know, it was, it was very customized just directly to me. But yeah. he, he does a lot of texting and he was talking specifically. Mm-hmm. He's sitting on a plane and thinking, let me ask you a question. Why can't you see this text? And then just tell that one person how you feel. Frustration, right. deep love, or a concept you have, regardless of the feeling, let this text be the one that makes you call or speak or text someone right this second. Text me back with what happened with the communication that you feared. Interesting. It's pretty awesome, though, because he's sending text messages, and if you're not paying attention to him on Twitter and whatnot, he actually goes in, gets those text messages, and responds. Mm-hmm. Now, he hasn't responded to me yet, but you know, I keep trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he will. I can't wait to find out how that, that, that emotional reaction was as well to the, the person that you texted in the moment. Um, so how the hell does this relate to uh, to Ellen to the L and D scene, folks? Well, okay, so Gary V, if I were to put him in a category, it's around communications. He is uh, he communicates through multiple platforms, not unlike we do in the corporate sphere, you know. And and that's that's really what I, I kind of look at his message overlapping a lot. There was a, there was an actual author that I had one back and forth with last night, uh, Clark Quinn, who is uh, he's written some pretty cool stuff. One of them I think was the L and D Revolution. I think it was what it was called. Yes, but. Uh, so he posts this thing every now and then. He puts a question up there, and and uh, I, I, the question kind of was, how are you encouraged to go back to uh, or or refresh or to keep content moving forward, anyways, in a, in a, in a forward uh, forward way? You're learning content, and the only line I could draw was kind of around Gary V because. He's in so many different platforms that are appropriate for each audience and he tailors his message. And that's kind of why he's in the, in the, in the notes this week is because he's recently put out a deck, uh, a deck, de- you know, I don't even know when I started in, in the biz, mm-hmm. I didn't even know what deck meant. Like people really? said deck and I thought it was super obnoxious because I'm like, we well, just call it a presentation or call it slides, <laughs> but it's the same thing. Yes. Um, so yeah, he put together it's, but it's a PDF. So there's no, no animations or anything like that, but it was, it was like 260 slides, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah he did it for his birthday. He actually released it out there and yeah. said, you know, Hey, I got a big present for you guys on, on, on my birthday. And he put it, this deck out about how to create content. Classic Gary V. So the way what he was doing was he was saying you have to create things quickly. That sounds familiar to our mm-hmm. world, right? Uh, you have to create things quickly. You have to um, tailor them to not only the method that you're communicating it through, but also to the audience that's going to consume it through that method. And uh, he was kind of kind of hitting those two points. So tailor the message based on the medium and. Uh, tailor the message based on the audience and, and to to reuse a lot of material throughout there. And I, did you get a chance to go through that? Cause it was long, but did so you get I, a chance? I skimmed it and uh, you know, I've been listening that's to a lot Adam of Adam right there. Yeah, that's classic Adam. <laughs> I, I do a lot of skimming. I get Looked abstract. at the first and yeah. last slides. Yep. No, I got it. <laughs> no, but I've been actually listening to a lot of his, his podcasts um, talking about that model that he uses for content. The other yeah. kind of main principle though, is he is a true believer in quantity and yeah. really testing the waters everywhere. And that, and that was kind of the gist of the deck though, is how to make 64 pieces of content a day. Mm-hmm. And when you think a lot about media, you know, mar- marketing companies or marketing groups at companies, they take forever to get the creative. They take a week to get one piece of content out. Even social media posts, a lot of times they'll do one post a day, you know, and, and what he's getting at is you got to make 50, 64. Here's an easy, you know, roadmap to make 64 yeah. pieces of content every single day. And, uh, you know, I think that premise of get it out there to really test what works versus wait around and make sure it's perfect. 
uh, is one of the big mantras there. And so yeah, I think that's yeah, really cool. That, that is, or that is a really big thing that he has is, is don't worry about the perfection of it. Just fricking do the thing, you know, just do the thing, get it done. And with, uh, through the volume of content. And I think I brought this up last week with Jerry Seinfeld's, you know, don't break the chain thing, right? Every single, oh, it was because NaNoWriMo, yep. we were talking about NaNoWriMo, just putting out a sheer volume of something and inevitably the good things will come forward. And one of the, I guess the way that social media kind of, and uh, I don't know, accepts that idea or uses that idea is if you put out 64 pieces of content a day, only the good ones are going to be seen again and again because some, you know, enough people see the good one, they like it or they one up it or they do the thing that they have to do. And then that finds a small little, you know, short term life of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's I, I really think that maybe there's some connection between the way that we create content uh, as, as, you know, learning professionals and what he's doing, because it's the same thing. It's tailoring the message through the, to the audience, yes. you know, and he's talking about social media platforms, but. I look at it as um, videos, e-learnings, emails, mm-hmm. job aids, infographics. Like they're all different. And and I, I occasionally talk to uh, to clients or, or SMEs, and and it's like, well, I want to have all the information in this platform, also in that platform. It's like, okay, well, I mean, you could do that, but that's not what they're for. The people right. that want to read a user guide will give those guys the details because they want to read a user guide. Mm-hmm. You know, don't give the people that want a quick reference guide, give them circles and arrows, circles and arrows on pictures and they're done. Right. You know, so I don't know. I, I thought it was really, really interesting. I've been trying to implement a couple of the things that came up in that PowerPoint deck. Uh, and I'll try to link to, I'm sure there's a link on his website for sure. that. So I'll put that in the show notes as well uh, so that you find folks out there could take a look at that. And I have been watching this, uh, the, the LinkedIn's and I'm seeing some of these concepts at play. Like as I'm working on them, like, Oh shit, Gary said this. Okay. I got to do that. Uh, cause it works for, for what I'm trying to do. Cause obviously we're trying to get this podcast moving and grooving. And then I'm seeing other people out there, a few people doing the same things. I'm like, ah, I know who these guys listen to. They listen to Gary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's actually pretty funny how you see these, some mm-hmm. of these influencers. I, I know one we worked with, uh, recently they're, they're following the same pattern yeah. as what Gary V is saying, right? They're doing, you know, if, uh, LinkedIn live videos and they're taking those LinkedIn live videos, they're cutting those up, creating mm-hmm. more content. They're mm-hmm. posting on every <clears throat> single social media site. Yep. And, you know, I, I think one of the other big things that ties to learning is putting out content fast and putting it out so people consume it. You know, I, I know marketing has a different point, right? You're, you're trying to get somebody to do something or input action or, you know, create brand awareness or create a relationship. But a lot of times with training, you're doing the same thing. At the end of the day, you want them to consume it. You want them to consume the learning and then end up learning something and doing something a little bit different from a behavior perspective. So yep. I think there's a lot of ties in how we create things. Yep. Absolutely. There. Yeah. Then there. You. You you know. I think maybe because we're working with humans. Everybody's working with humans, so maybe that makes sense that we're all kind of the same. Right. Uh, Okay. Let's move on. There were a couple other headlines. Some of these are kind of downers, but we'll we'll touch on them real quick. Uh, So two three weeks ago, my four year old comes home. And he tells me uh, at the dinner table, we're just, you know, because he's four. And so it's always, hey, what'd you do today? Nothing. I don't remember. 
What do you mean you don't remember? You did, like, come on, give me something, kid. So anytime he gives us anything, it's like a little nugget of, of just uh-huh. beauty. It's like, oh, my gosh, he shared a thing he remembered yep. and just wanted to say it at the table. That's yeah, beautiful. both my seven-year-old, four-year-old. Hey, what'd you do in school today? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah what, so why you, you, you there? I played the computer. My seven-year-old's always on this. <laughs> and they get, like, and, and so we actually had to ask the teacher and say, how much computer time is is she getting a day and it's like 10 minutes she's like no it's not more than 10 minutes but that's what she remembers of her that's entire the day thing, yeah. i was on the computer hmm. oh my goodness. well this this particular day we we eventually put the pieces together that they had a active shooter drill at school oh it's the worst and it's like oh that's that's a nice vibe you know mm-hmm. so i don't have the numbers in front of me and of course the threat is real i cannot stand the goddamn phrase the the threat is real the struggle is real i can't stand that um, you don't like the struggle is real yeah well so this, this i can't stand that it's so obnoxious like what struggle what struggle do any of us actually have nothing that's there true. is no struggle yeah, i don't have cancer can. you don't have cancer as far as i know I, yeah, I skin cancer I got something I got to get checked out, but, you know, thanks. <laughs> okay. Well, good luck with that. Um, way to bring the podcast down, bro. There you go. <laughs> uh, but here's one from the LA Times. Uh, Santa Clarita shooting. Some fear active shooter training at schools can bring its own form of trauma. And here we are. We're, we're living now in a world in, in today's environment um, where... It seems like you can't see anything without getting in trouble. You can't do a lot of things without upsetting people because they aren't in their appropriate safe space or you didn't give them the flip and trigger warning so they can be prepared for something. Uh, but here we are on a, on a more or less regular basis. We're telling kids you're going to get shot at. So when you do get shot at, we want to make sure that you're kind of safe. So here's a bucket of rocks by the door so we can all throw something at the shooter who's got a gun. Um and, and it was interesting because it was kind of a, an article that just kind of said, hey, there, there are inherent problems with doing these sort of trainings on a regular basis because it puts that people in that headspace of actually being traumatized, not in the way that, you know, I'm questioning your humanity by, by saying, uh, I don't know, something just benign to you. But it's like, okay, we're actually kind of role playing the, the, the fact that you're being shot at. That seems strange. Right. Well, I don't know. What's your take on this? Uh, you know, I have a lot. It, it, it was first off, it was sad. My, my, my first response to to all of it, um, one, the Santa Clarita shooting. Um, that is actually Jennifer um, on our team that we we worked with. That's the high school that she went to. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So oh, I didn't she, know that. that was actually where she went to high school. So. Um, kind of hits close to home we have you know mm-hmm. six degrees of you know separation or yeah, seven yeah. degrees of separation well i'm not saying these shootings shouldn't be looked no, at at no, all no, and no, obviously no, no, they're no. super shitty situations yeah um but that's where i'm going though it, it's sad because you know when my seven-year-old came home and talked about oh we had a drill today i was like oh like a fire drill she's like no in case bad people come mm-hmm. like that's just sad you know like mm-hmm. you're spending your day worried about that so i can absolutely see kids getting traumatized for it and hell even adults getting traumatized for it if we you know going on lockdown i mean that's scary stuff um and then you know ultimately too it starts to get to one of these desensitized things where you know you keep practicing the drills kind of like when you when you fly in an airplane nobody listens to those people no so i don't even know what to do if the airplane's going down one i'm just going to curl up in a ball I don't know if that's right or not. But you might as well. I, mean, I might as well, right? I don't think it's going to make a difference. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're talking about safety belts, you know, put your air mask on. I'm going to panic. Yeah. And, you know, 
I think some of these drills are doing that too is you, you, you're scaring people. Um, but I think you have to have them. I, I guess I don't know it's a double-edged sword. Ultimately, the whole situation I think is just sad that kids have to think about that. Teachers have to worry about it. Principals have to do it. And Lord knows as a parent, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it it sure is. It sure is, you know. It, and and I'm uh, you guys. Well, in Dallas, you guys had some big shootings there. We what did. two years ago? Two the, years ago, that mm-hmm. guy was shooting up Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Here, Vegas. I mean, it, it's kind of everywhere. Um, yeah. You know. We, it, go ahead. Uh, so, so I, you know, I ask your opinion on this. Do you think it's mm. now more because of social media? You know, we started with Gary Vee talking about oh, social 100%. media. One hundred percent. And yeah, that it's. It's just kind of focused, and you know, I want to get into a whole you know gun right thing. But at the end oh, of the day, let's I, do it. We're, oh, we're doing abortion do after that too. It's gonna to be great. Yeah, <laughs> this is gonna yeah. be a, an award winning pod training uh, podcast. <laughs> I can't wait to go to our missions next week and have to apologize to everybody. Yeah, um, but you know, I wonder how much social media plays into it, and I think there's definitely some types of links of the 24 hour news cycle, how people are getting it. You know how I'm hearing about it while it's happening um, because I've, as we've talked in the past on, on these episodes, you know, I'm on yeah. Twitter, so yeah. I get instant news. I don't have yeah. to wait to, um, you know, wait around on my flip phone like some people. But you know, at the end of the day, I get it instantly. Yep, and I think I think that is the problem. You know, you see, um, and even on LinkedIn, like I don't know how LinkedIn gets roped into all the all the feel good stuff, mm-hmm. but you see videos of uh, this person found a turtle with a bag around its head, and you won't. Who gives a shit? Of course, there's going to be turtles that get screwed up, and I'm not <laughs> saying that turtles shouldn't be saved. But the thing is, every single instance of all those things happening around the world, because everybody's got a voice, yours truly included, uh, and everybody's got a camera uh, on their person at all times. You're <laughs> exposed to way more stuff than us as human beings were built for. Um, and I think that that's, that's a constant challenge that we have to work through. You know, we've been doing stuff ever since we stopped picking berries and, and, you know, hunting mammoths. This is, this is, we've been doing things we weren't necessarily built for. We kind of touched on that a few weeks ago when we talked about the curve of, uh, technology, uh, with the, the speed that technology is able to adapt has in 2007, based on the slide that I saw three weeks ago, um, 2007, that surpassed the ability of humans to adapt to that technology. So we're now, you know, we're, we're in over our heads with how much stuff is coming at us. We're not able to adjust it. Uh, and now I actually did my own little bit of adjusting recently, and there were there were some positive outcomes and some negative outcomes. You know, we were talking before about this technology thing, and I said that I had in my possession a flip phone that I wanted to I wanted to give it a shot. And, and how'd that work out for you? I did give it a shot, and, <laughs> and so here's the thing. I did it for a weekend and one work day. I think I did it on uh, Saturday, maybe Friday night into Monday night. I think that was kind of the experiment that I did. And I call it an experiment for good reasons because there was there were outcomes, there was facts. It was it was wonderful. Um, now in that period of time, I uh, the things that I did like. <laughs> On the Monday while I was at work, even if I wanted to check certain messaging apps, I did not have that ability. So there was an incredible amount of freedom that I found there. And one of the downfalls, one of the problems with this is that you, me and Gibbs have a group chat and the phone that I was using was not able to handle a group chat. So you guys sent me messages saying, hey, man, not going to be able to do Tuesday night. Uh, and so here I was on Tuesday night, very, very sad because I'm like, Hey uh, guys, where are you? 
Where are you? Yeah. You were having a party and no one showed up. That's right, man. Nothing lonelier than that. But uh, what, what I think did come out of it as a benefit is I saw the freedom of not having to deal with technology. And I took that freedom and I've now implemented it on a regular basis. So when I go to work, I turn my phone off at, at uh, about 8 a.m. And I put it in the drawer, I turn it off, and then I turn it back on at about noon for, you know, that the kind of lunch period, lunch hour area. Then I turn it off again for the afternoon, turn it back on at uh, the end of the day when I'm ready to get going. And so, that's that has been so valuable to me this past week. So even though there were some hiccups, I pulled a couple practices out of there that really, really were super valuable. So I don't know if anybody out there has ever tried anything like that. Uh, let me know. And I know that, you know, kind of on the learning side of things. How do, you know, there's a lot of bring your own device. So we're now asking employees to be hyper-connected. We're, you know, it's already there. So let's just lean on the highways that are already built uh, and, and, and kind of take advantage of those things. But I think the things we're trying to take advantage for in the long run aren't really, I don't know. I really struggle with this because there's a lot of value in technology and even the social media and the internet, but man, there's a lot of garbage that comes with it too. And a lot of extra stress that maybe we don't need. Um, so I, I don't know. I had a good experience when I turned my phone off. I guess that's, that's the punchline, you know? And then you sat alone on a podcast and, on and, a Tuesday night. And then I sat alone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it makes sense what you're saying, right? You know, from a from a fundamental time management perspective, right? Because you're unplugging and you're focused on what's in front of you. I would ask, though, you don't use your phone like going from meeting to meeting or anything like that? What's that? I mean, do you use your phone going from meeting or like... Waiting like for use it. Well, meeting. I don't have work email on my phone. That's another thing that I, um, okay. you know, I, I, I give them a good chunk of my life. There's parts of my life that I won't give. Uh, I won't give any employer, um, you know, unless the expectations are set a whole lot differently. Mm-hmm. But so, so, so no, um, even in the past. <clears throat> so before I got this new policy of turning my phone off during work hours, um, you know, I would check, I guess I would check the chats with you guys. I would check the chats with my buddies. I would uh, hop on LinkedIn, but yeah, this past week I I didn't do that with my phone. I was walking to meetings. I was going in the elevator and there was nothing in my pockets. You know, there was, it was just me holding my laptop and a book or, or whatever, you know, so it was a book and you were good to go. My, well, not my field. This is my moleskin. This is my uh, five by eight. (laughs) <laughs> Leather-bound moleskin, yeah. Uh, but no, it was great. It was a great experience. That's interesting. Yeah, no, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I could do it. I mean, I understand it from a principal perspective, but I yeah. definitely, I don't know if I could do it. I'm always looking at my phone and, you know, I'm bouncing around. And that's probably mm. pro- part of the problem. But I am, I feel like being connected is, is I like being connected. It kind of drives me nuts unless I'm on vacation. And then I totally deconnect and actually get away from everything. So I, I don't even check email. I usually try to go to places where I don't have any of that. So the, you know, I, I wonder if we're, so if we're asking employees to bring their own device or to take part in training and, you know, you and me are going to be, well, we're talking about virtual stuff a little bit later on in this conversation. And, um, I'm sorry, this discussion and the, uh, you know, because we're going to be putting together a presentation all around virtual trainings and we're going to be asking people to use their devices in that training. And now I'm, I'm kind of reapproaching that. I still think we should, but then how do we deal with it for people that maybe don't have their device? How do we make it inclusive for people that don't embrace this insane amount of technology? 
you know, it's actually interesting, and you know, you give me a hard time about listening to NPR all the time, which is I do. I love NPR. Um, they had a specifically, and, and and this can get you all fired up, but they were talking about the different generational gaps, and I forget what they're calling the newest generation. Um, Zoomer, Zoomers. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's Gen Z. Gen I, I've, Z. Heard, okay. I've heard the same Zoomers. name for both, yeah. And so what they were talking about is specifically it's no longer work-life balance anymore. It's work-life blend and that you never oh, really gross. shut off. That's and gross. What's that? That's gross. It's totally gross. But but just because of technology that everybody has technology that, you know, sitting in an office from 8 to 5 doesn't really make sense. In and, and I, to- I completely understand that. Like if you have to go get something or go to a doctor – doesn't matter because most employees or a lot of employees i won't say most it just depends upon what you're doing Mm. will log in at night right like i'll glance at a couple emos before i go to bed well that's still work you know when you really think about it and so it just blends into your life yep yeah it does and and then so one of the things that i have tried to do recently and, and you know certainly trying to do with this podcast is i'm trying to give myself a professional identity that's not associated with a specific employer yes and maybe that is also kind of a millennial thing. We were talking about this, me and my uh, partner at work there yesterday, because just the general distribution of generations in the workforce, uh, we have some people that have been at the company for 30 years, like literally 30. There's one guy I know for 30, one guy I know for 32. And it's like, oh my goodness, I have not been working with the same group of people for, I think, more than a year and a half going yeah. back a decade. So like yeah. I, a year and a half, boom, new group of people. Now there's some groups that I've been, you know, same company, just different locations, but it's, it seems like it's, well, maybe somewhere about two and a half years, two and a half, three years, but you know, it's, it's still, it's one of those things where being somewhere for that long, working with the same uh, collection of people on maybe a similar set of problems for 30 years is mind blowing. Yeah. And my mom's it, getting re- retired and she's, I think 40 years, 45 years at her wow. company. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. Same yeah. company. That's Doing the same wild. thing with same people. I, except, you know, people leave, but yeah, yeah. They, I, I remember the ladies she worked with when I was in elementary school, I would meet those ladies. And my mm. mom still works with a couple of them. So, I mean, I want to date myself, but, you know, I'm over 40. And so I remember them in elementary school and she's still working with the same people. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how people stayed at jobs a little bit differently. There were a couple other articles that I saw. Two of them actually had to do with That's... cybersecurity training, which is interesting. Um, they, uh, you know, one of them was, it's it started off with, and where is this from? This is from the Federal News Network. Uh, which I think is for federal employees, or it's it's the it audience is, made is up too. American. It does, doesn't it? It's probably a, a Russian <laughs> uh, Russian troll farm or something. But um, I don't know about Jason Miller who wrote it. But the opening line is: Let's face it, no one likes cybersecurity training. Which I I kind of take issue with. <laughs> I've always enjoyed cybersecurity training, and we actually had some rollout at our organization recently that I thought, wow, these guys did a really nice job. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like they had the, the part of the training that that I uh, completed as a user, not as a as a you know a designer, but as a user was. It, you know, they had some like silhouetted talking faces as if it were like an anonymous interview sort of stuff, Love pretending it. that it was an actual cyber criminal. And I know it wasn't, but we're pretending that it was. <laughs> and the engagements I thought were really strong. So I don't know. I this, like cybersecurity is one of possibly the sexiest problems to train around in an organization. 
Because it's Ooh. it's interesting. It's 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 like criminals. Like we have shows that are exclusively about criminals. Sure. Like they're they're just about like ever since Sopranos, it's like oh well, every hero's got to be a bad guy now. You know, yeah, so Breaking Bad. I, I mean, yeah. I just got done with that. I mean, Narcos. Oh, yeah, yeah. I recently, got done with that. I got. I've been. I'm, I'm knee deep in Narcos right now. Yeah, I kind of like Pablo Escobar. He seems like a decent guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear he's all right. <laughs> Had a great zoo, I think. Exactly. But um, so, but yeah, I don't know. Have Have you ever heard an employee complain about cybersecurity training? The way we do it, yes. Oh, okay. Um, it, you okay. know, so. It, it's one of those things where if you're taking the principle with that you're talking about and making it interesting, because it's fascinating. It's mm. amazing how mm. criminals are going after companies. Mm. Uh, I'll tell you a story on that in a second. But I think a lot of cybersecurity training gets into that compliance, boring, hey, we just need to do it to click the buttons, and it loses its effect. And that, you know, when you talk about training, it's poor design. So if you're creating something like a, you know, NCIS where they're going through and they're analyzing and you're trying to figure it out, there's mm -hmm. some amazing stuff that you could learn and really create a scenario, create a story behind. But I think a lot of it, companies just go, hey, we have a risk, get some cybersecurity training and tell them not to click on emails. Here's yeah. an example. Well, yeah. that doesn't do anything. No one's paying attention to that. No. You make it engaging, you create a story, you give them some real life examples. I think people are gonna wanna want watch it and well, kind of look at it. So this article, they, and this is the Department of Health and Human Safety, uh, or Human Services. What they did was they uh, hired a vendor to run this training and it was, escape room based so they Love had it. eight different teams that had to go through different escape rooms and the clues that they had to solve were all around cybersecurity training so i mean that's that's super awesome and did you have know, a chance to do were you on the team when we did the escape room yes yeah i think i had just joined yeah it's amazing i don't yeah you know if you haven't done one i you know it's really cool how they design some of those some of the the ideas mm -hmm. some, you know a couple of the the scenarios are a little cheesy you know they try to figure them out you know mm -hmm. they don't give you too many clues but a couple of them really have some clues and if you really get the game side of it it really it's almost like gamification on it and oh, yeah. really trying to escape um i thought it was a really cool thing to do so i love that idea and i'll tell you if, if someone said hey we're going to escape room to learn about cybersecurity, i'm in yeah. Well, um, as a taxpayer, you were in, so oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I paid for it. <laughs> you you Wonderful. sure did. Well, I'm thinking, I don't know. How, so it's a great idea. And if you've got an organization that's able to sink that kind of money into training, that's just going to stick. Like people are going to remember yes. that because it's so engaging. But it, I mean, it certainly doesn't scale. You can't say, okay, this is a great idea. It's a great pilot program. Let's do it for 7,000 people. You can't do that. No. You know? Um, so I don't know what this costs, although, you know, as I mean, they weren't my taxes paying for it. My taxes pay for plenty of other garbage but <laughs> you get healthcare. Yeah. yeah yeah i guess yeah exactly no it's, uh, it's amazing because i just heard a story also on npr they were talking about cybersecurity, so they were talking uh, a little bit about the hackathons and the dallas hackathon is creating getting a lot more people it's it, they said years ago it was like two guys they did this club and they were sitting you know there now there's hundreds of people that come to this hackathon and they're getting hackers to try to break the cybersecurity of different companies and then they also interviewed this guy who owned a company kind of like you know mosby learning you and i talking i'm going to send you money 
the hackers were watching the emails watching it go waited to the right time where the one partner in the company said hey dan i'm going to send you one hundred and fifty thousand dollars." right then the hacker that's when they inserted themselves and said hey fantastic hey go ahead and send it to this account hmm. and so the guy sent the hundred and fifty thousand dollars called you and said hey dan did you, you got the money everything good what are you talking about wow so yeah so they uh by the it's, time it's, they, it's, yeah, yeah. So it's and, surveillance and then just like super targeted and well timed. Uh, so watched it, waited, and waited, waited, and then by the time they got to the bank to say, "Hey, well, where you know where it was wired, it was already wired offshore." Where's my sweet, sweet money that I'm going to roll around in? Yeah, I mean, it was a real life example too, and I thought it was interesting because it was really relatable. One hundred fifty thousand, most be learning. You know, we transfer money like that all the time. Mm. Constantly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, where's my money? <laughs> uh, okay, so there were uh, there was another article about cybersecurity training. I don't remember what it said, so I'm not going to try to make it up right now. I did remember the escape. Well, room talk one. about that Minnesota article. Yeah, so that was uh, that was an interesting one. So it's um, training to prevent suicides in rural Minnesota draws this. large. Yeah, draws a large response. So I guess they're looking at farmers having a rough go now. In my experience. Farmers always have something to complain about. This is this is this is just a trope with farmers. Anybody that knows farmers knows there's always either too much rain, there's not enough rain. Uh, it's too cold, it's too hot. There's always something, right? Global um, warming. You know, but just... apparently, things are actually getting a little bit dire out there. And there is this training that they put on. Uh, there's this, I think, one gal that seems to be going around. And I can't find the name in here right now. But yeah, there's this uh, there's this one woman that's going around doing this training and talking to agriculture workers to help them recognize other people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a, also recognize these things in yourself. Like if, if, if shit's getting sideways on you and you're in a bad headspace, here's what you can do. I'm sure that's part of it, but it's really helping recognize these things in other people, which is interesting because that makes you, you kind of the judge of who's crazy or not. Um, and that's always a, a slippery slope to kind of go down because who's to say that the person that's now the judge with the gavel has the wherewithal to make a good call. But, you know, if, if the tools that are being provided are sound tools, then then maybe there's something there. And it seems to be having a good uh, a good impact, a good response. People are uh, appreciative and they're using the tools that they're given. They're recognizing these things right away, um, which maybe is also another I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because if I say, hey, Adam, man, you got to look out for terrorists. And then a day later, you're like, holy shit, Dan, I found a terrorist. Um, <laughs> you know what? You know what I mean? Like, uh, mm. oh, well, how maybe maybe we're just looking too hard now. But um, anyhow, it, it was interesting. It was interesting because you don't really hear about training for agricultural workers a lot. No, they're usually usually hand me downs and they just. You they learn just deal. on the job, yeah. They yeah, just deal and they just it. they just deal, and you you figure it out, and you farm, and then you you take the you know three months in the winter off until you start gearing up in the spring. But uh, yeah, is there anything you specifically wanted to touch on in there? Or? I mixed up the articles, but uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought it was a different article, but uh, no, it looks like training can fix that. So. Training can fix that. Well, that's a different problem. That is a different problem altogether. There's there's another article, a big thing I heard about it, uh, in Minnesota also. I believe it's Minnesota up in Wisconsin, somewhere up in that area. It was talking about meth 
and I thought that was the the, oh. the same article. So no, no, no. Up. It basically was a campaign about meth to get people talking about meth. Uh, actually, I, I remember the state. It was specifically Idaho. And Idaho, the campaign yeah. said, I'm on meth. Yeah, I heard about this the other yeah. day. And so everybody was talking about it. So when I saw the headline that we had on there, I pulled into the article and I totally mixed up the articles. But the, the, the article I was thinking about was talking about I'm on meth. And so... South Dakota. Was it South Dakota? Idaho? Yeah. Somewhere. All the same. Um, but it, it drew skepticism. It got people talking. And the people that put it on, the, the, the governor and whatnot, he's like, we wanted people to start talking about this issue. Yeah. And it's working. And it's been three days. And it's everywhere. Yeah. And so when you, you think about advertising or getting people to talk about it, it worked. Because now everybody's talking about people being on meth and and, and they're highlighting the issue that they have yeah and and google now knows that i just typed in the words i'm on meth into the search bar <laughs> and uh and i'm i'm sure i'm gonna get all sorts of great ads now <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah but yeah i you know that well, well we'll solve the meth crisis another day okay but uh but yeah it's interesting that both so that's that we can we can both say that the south dakota and minnesota are rural areas mm-hmm and so we have issues of depression and we have issues of opioid abuse in rural areas. I mean, these things affect those other places too, you know? Maybe they don't have homeless crisis, but they got their own uh, own garbage to deal with. Absolutely. And, uh, and I, th- I think there could be something to be said about the technology's uh, impact, like just general technology impact and how these issues are popping up. It, there, it's, it's not the only, it's not, it's not like a one-to-one, but it's, it's definitely a factor, I think. Sure. Um, all right, and we'll talk about my conspiracies next week. <laughs> So you had mentioned can training fix it, yes. and that's that's what I want to talk about right now. This is this is this is something else. This is uh, okay. So I guess maybe do we have to agree that this is a problem to begin with? The, there is a, a rash of businesses right now that have just jumped all over. Like they didn't even look back. They didn't look to see if the ground underneath them was firm. They're like. Uh, what the the wily coyote running off the edge of a cliff and just hoping there's a bridge there um, about this like pretend meat beyond meat impossible <laughs> meat just not yes. real meat shit that's everywhere right now I don't know I don't know I don't know what vegan is like oh man you know what I, for ethical reasons I'm not going to eat animals and nothing wrong with this nothing wrong with this but. Oh God, I want a burger so bad. It's like, no, 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 no. And this is the same thing that pisses me off. I don't take me to a vegan restaurant and say, Hey, there's kind of like chicken wings sort of things on them. Man, you give them a try because they're supposed to, they're supposed to pretend to be chicken wings. Don't put your goddamn vegan <laughs> ideology into things that already work fine. Like a chicken wing is delicious. There's nothing wrong with it. We don't need to have a pretend version that tastes like shit. And then we're going to set an expectation in somebody's head that it's just, it's just, it's like, it's a, it's a chicken wing, but it's vegan. Don't worry about it. Anyways, so this impossible meat is everywhere. And I'm wondering, is this a training issue? Can training possibly fix this situation? Um, now, this article specifically that, that made me just angrier than normal uh here's the headline it's it's cnn.com uh, and I'll, I'll put this in the show notes too a vegan man claims burger king cooked impossible whopper alongside meat so his beef <laughs> okay i i'm sure wow. they put that in, no in the article intended. too but yes. i just I, I just did it i don't know i feel bad now uh, <laughs> but his beef is that um 
So you, you, you're, you're going to sell me a vegan burger, but you didn't tell me it was going to be cooked on the same grill. And now, well, it's contaminated. It's not a vegan burger. Nice try, uh, Burger Burger King. Nice try, Burger mm-hmm. King. Um, I don't know. So is that specific issue a training issue? Should, uh, should, should there be some sort of awareness campaign about the fact that these things are running on the same grills? Or I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? So... So let's take a step back here. Have you tried any of the vegan stuff? No, and I, I never will. <laughs> okay, well, so I don't want to say all the food's horrible because, you know, at one point I did, we did, and every now and then we still do, um, some of the Morning Star Farms, and they're kind of those plant-based burgers. Mm-hmm. Can I ask pretty- you why? Um, at that point, we were kind of doing the health thing. So we were trying to get fit, and then we were on these diets that we were trying to cut out cut out red meat, right? So, hang on. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hang, hang on. So, so you're saying that there are health benefits to the, the Morningstar burgers or, or possibly this impossible meat. Mm-hmm. That uh, you're saying there's health benefits to it over and above red meat. Yes. Why are you saying that? Because I read it on the internet. Okay. Problem solved. Yeah. So, so it is a training issue. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is a training issue. So so we would eat those. It was part of the diet we were on. They said that those were fine um, to eat. And so we did. And we tried them. You know, so we're like, mm-hmm. okay, well, cool. We'll try them. They're actually pretty good. I mean, I, I, I can't say they're as good as a really good burger, 80-20, mm-hmm. with a lot of fat in it. Mm-hmm. But um, they weren't bad. Now, would I ever order it on a menu at Burger King? Well, no, I probably won't ever go to Burger King. But I will say, you know, I understand in premise, and in this I don't know, but I understand in premise that you want to get the food that you're that you're getting and the transparency needs there to be there. Because if you substituted the vegan burger, the Impossible Burger, with peanuts, and he didn't think he was getting peanuts, and then all of a sudden there was peanuts cooking on the same grill, would that change anything? Are you picking peanuts because people are severely allergic to them sometimes? Okay. Correct. But if you didn't know, and so that's what I think is like, if you didn't know and say, hey, I want something that's completely vegan. I don't think there's any health thing with it to become vegan. Like, I don't think anybody's allergic to meat. But in the same sense, I don't want anything to do with meat. And then all of a sudden, I just found out what I'm eating, which is slathered in meat juice. Yeah, delicious meat juice is probably why it still tastes good. Actually, you know what? That's probably why the reviews are so good on the Impossible Burger because they've been cooking it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they've been cooking it with the meat, uh, specifically in the vats of grease before they get it out. Um, ten out of ten vegans prefer Beyond Meat burgers <laughs> as long as it's cooked with beef juice. Exactly, fry yeah. it with uh, yeah, the the juices. But so, can training fix it? I think is the question, and yeah. I think it can because I think that the people at the Burger King need Mm -hmm. to understand what they're grilling. So Mm -hmm. if the guy asked, now some of that's on the customer, right? The customer needs to ask and say, how is this built? How is this created? Well, it's cut this way. So you you have a staff training issue. I think you have a corporate training issue that you need to say, how do we let our customers know how this is cooked? So it actually goes into an advertising issue why our impossible burgers taste so good is because we cook it in grease you know figure out what that looks like Hmm. but i think the staff needs to be able to let somebody know also and so that goes into a training issue so yes you know i i think that possibly um 
There could be some sort of note card that people keep in their wallet or their uh, clutch or their purse or whatever, uh, their back pocket that gives them a, a short list of questions to ask when they, so maybe a, a job aid or a meal aid, if you will, that's okay, I'm going into a restaurant that predominantly cook meat. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask these questions about their vegetarian options and how closely they're related <laughs> to meat. So I don't know, maybe Philip Williams, the plaintiff in this particular case would uh, would benefit from having a um, just a, an information card or, or a question card to yeah, review. So Philip, you know, Philip, if you're listening, I mean, we yeah. are more than happy to put together a job aid. Um, we'll oh, laminate it for you, and yeah. you can put it right in your your wallet. Well, and it's got to be laminated, yeah. Well, of course. I mean, well, you know, for sustainability, you put it in your wallet, <laughs> take it in and out every time you eat. Uh, you can start asking the questions, and uh, you know, and we'll make one too at the shopping centers. You know, it's sometimes confusing when you're in there, and you know, you can ask the Kroger checkout people. That's maybe yeah, because I'm. <laughs> I think that goes back to the corporate training problem. Corporate training um, problem. Okay. All right. So yeah. So look at this. Beyond Meat, uh, Impossible, pretend meat burgers can be fixed, and then all the drama that comes with them can be fixed with training. Look at this, guys. I hope we See, have capacity to make all these job aids. After last week, when it was decided we couldn't fix bad parking with training, I was pretty bummed out. But now we've rallied, and we've found a problem that training can actually solve. So I'm happy again. <laughs> this, is, this is good for business. Very good. Um, all right, let's move on, my friend, to... Uh, let's just move on to the, I had a couple other things to talk about, but to heck with that. Because the, the, the big thing that I did want to talk about this week was last week we talked about virtual sessions and how they can potentially. Hold on, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. All right. We, all right. We're on a roll now. I, I, I think it's on the notes. It is on the notes. We're starting. We got to keep it going. It stands poetry corner. So let's just go back. Let's take it one step back before okay. we get into the virtual session talking all about right, learning and development. Right. I think we need to step back um, because I'm kind of intrigued by the title here. Uh, yeah, ladies thermostat. and gentlemen, this... I have not heard this, but Dan also has a poem today yeah. called well, okay. Thermostat. So, yes, that's true. So I've, I've, I've made it a habit. To, I never thought as a, as a grown-ass man I would make it a habit to write poetry. Um, and yet here we are. You know, and, and this is as, as much a surprise for me as it is for you guys. But uh, let's go ahead. This is, yeah, this is thermostat. And okay, so this is actually related to the topic. I try to, once we decide what the topic is, I try to come up with something, you know. And you and this, <clears throat> this I, I kind of had, um, well, I'll just, I'll just read it for you. Okay, it's called thermostat. The webinar room was stuffy. She needed to settle her mind. She hadn't hosted a session before of this particular kind. She stepped from the glorified closet. I just need to sit a spell. To calm the face of her boss, she said, that went surprisingly well. Why would that surprise you? Asked her boss with furrowed brow. You're a professional. They should all be great by now. It was an uphill battle, she said. It wasn't meant to be. I think the gods of webinars had it out for me. I got to the room early, but I had to reboot twice, so I logged in seven minutes late, but everyone was nice. That room's so hot, she said, like I ran a marathon, and that's exactly how I learned my web camera was on. Her manager looked puzzled. Wait, is your shirt on inside out? Yeah, I'm cooler with it off, you know, there's no need to sit and pout. The smile sheets have come back great. Don't be a big dissenter. Besides, I found a way to make this team a profit center. 
And that is thermostat. Wow. I'll let you fill in the gaps there. Um, <laughs> but so last that week. That was fantastic. La- thank you. Thank you're, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, well, last week we were talking about how webinars can go poorly. And mm-hmm. one of them was the control over technology. Yes. But in this in this particular uh, story, this 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 turned into we we had lemons and she yeah. made lemonade. She made lemonade. Yes. With those particular lemons. That was great. Thank you, Dan, for the poem this week. Um, but speaking of webinars, you know, we actually had a, an issue uh, on a virtual session that Mm-mm. technology did not work this Uh-oh. week. So Lori on the team, she was doing a webinar system frozen just completely frozen and she didn't know she she grabbed another person she was flying solo at the time you know uh, curse number one but she grabbed somebody they logged in they were trying to get in there she had to actually reboot her computer because it was completely frozen lost a couple people but a lot of people stayed on but technology happens and so she grabbed somebody they logged on they jumped on the call said hey you know what sorry Lori is frozen she can't do anything else camera froze the presentation froze our entire system just froze thanks microsoft probably yeah we don't use macbooks unfortunately so yeah it was microsoft let's go with that bill was the problem bill and melinda both of them yes all right so um yeah well so what we want to talk about this week you know last week we talked about how they go poorly how a webinar can just fall apart and we just heard a great example of that uh but what we wanted to touch on this week was how they can go really really well and they don't always have to involve taking clothes off so what um they don't (laughs) i said they don't have to i mean how many webinars have you been on where someone's taken off clothes (laughs) not enough i'll tell you that i I can't think of i mean i would join all the training ones if that's what happened Mm -hmm. although so there's always a lot of talk about the uh you know people being in their pajamas or just super short you know i'm in i'm in running shorts and and a t-shirt right now you know and there's there's no reason that this format is any different than a webinar format i can be in running shorts and a a t-shirt uh or even less for i have my shirt off now (laughs) is it too hot over there (laughs) turn the thermostat up or down (laughs) um so the um but I think some of the ways that we, I have seen anyways, and, and, you know, maybe I'll just throw a couple things out there, Adam, and then, and then you can come up with uh, something that how they've gone well. Um, but one of the things that I think they can go really, really well is well, it all has to rely on engagement. And I, I really want to dig into this idea, not today, cause I've got to do my homework on this first, but the, uh, the attention economy mm-hmm. that is, um, that's what we're all fighting. And it's because of that stupid little computer that we have in our pockets all the time, uh, or at least most of the time we do, that it's it's a matter of everybody's fighting to get their stuff in front of your eyeballs or your, you know, your your ears or, or, or what, I don't know how, I don't know how it works with ears, but, uh, with eyes, I know how it works. And, and that's what you're always fighting for with webinars. It's the same thing. And, and I had this idea of after Gibbs mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that webinar itself is a abbreviation of web seminar. 
Um, and it got me thinking. It got me thinking about this because in a seminar, you're, you're in a seminar. Okay, so there's probably not a lot of two-way communication, but you see the person talking at the front of the room. Maybe it's a room with 20 people. Maybe it's 200 people. I don't know. But there's a person at the front of the room. They're standing there. They're engaging. They're dynamic. They're dressed, assume with clothes on, and they look professional. And they're they're probably they're waving their arms or they're gesturing with their body. They're moving around a stage or, or you know an area at the front. There's probably a presentation as well to go with it. So you've got the the human side that's constantly mute, moving, that's very dynamic, that's engaging in that we are in fact built to gravitate towards. You've got slides with presentation material on there and they're usually static. Yep. Um, you know, sometimes they can move, but that gets more obnoxious than, than anything after a while. And then we, then we flip over to this idea of a webinar. We're like, wow, this is great because it scales. Everybody can sit at their desk and do this sort of thing. But then we've, the very first thing that we do is we remove the most engaging and dynamic element of, uh, of a seminar. And that's the human being, or that's the visual presentation of a human being. The first thing that we do is we remove that. Mm-hmm. And I, I assume it was because originally a technology restriction where maybe we didn't, you know, cameras, obviously webcams came after microphones and speakers. So there's that, but there aren't enough people that are readily accepting the fact that we now have amazing web cameras. Uh, we now have pretty reliable internet that can support the amount of information that a web camera is going to use. And we still don't turn cameras on. And I think that is step one in providing an engaging webinar or, or virtual training session. I, I really do. I, I totally agree. And it, it's amazing how many people one are afraid to get on camera and mm. you, you want, you want to, I mean, I, I find it kind of shocking. You know, when I tell people, Hey, go, go ahead and get on camera. And they're like, what, why would I get on camera? And then all of a sudden I go to these, you know, uh, different training associations, right? We all we all get all these webinars all the time. Yep, they're not on camera. It's, I don't get this. I don't get this I at don't all. Get this. And it, it it's shown. I mean, what uh, you know, go to meeting has all their statistics. You know, seventy percent if you're on camera, more engagement. Yep. But it's shocking how many people are afraid to get on camera, even in t- today's day and age when it's people are taking pictures, posting it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. People are more inclined to put a picture, and it's like that's you get on the camera yeah. um, and they won't do it. And, and it, it's even shocking. It carries over into, you know, a business I support it, which is the sales side. How many people will just not get on camera? They won't post to a LinkedIn, even if it does their business and they won't post even a video to a customer. You know, I, you're more likely Dan, if I said, Hey Dan, check out this video of me. Hi Dan. Good morning. How are you? Great to see you. I'm blah, 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 blah. They'll go back to, let me just send an email. Yeah, You're I remember actually when I was still uh, working uh, working with you, there was a guy that reached out to you and he just sent you like a 30 second <laughs> introductory video. Yeah. And you beca- and not because the video was that engaging, but you're like, oh, well, the guy tried something new. I'll give him a shot. I'll give him a shot to try something new. And I'm kind of the same way. If I see an ad campaign that is just so damn good. Yep. 
I'm well, unless it's for like a car, because I'm not obviously going to just buy a car. I'm impromptu. But if it's for like a consumer good, I'm uh, you know what? I'm going to throw those guys a bone. They yep. earned it. And it's 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 no different. You know, there's, I mean, a, there's a speaker that uh, I linked in with. Um, his name's Ken Ockel. And the reason why I remember Ken Ockel, because he was the first time I ever saw it. He used a, a system called Bomb Bomb. Bomb Bomb is a marketing system that you can Bomb do videos Bomb. with called Bomb Bomb. And uh he sent me on my birthday we were linkedin all of a sudden i get this video from him i'm like wow what is this and come to find out i figured out how he did it but when i saw it it was the first time i saw it and it's a video and it literally it's him and he's waving and then Hmm. all of a sudden he pulls up a sign and it says happy birthday he's like hey there happy birthday i hope your day is going fantastic blah 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 blah. Hmm. he never says my name which is the yeah, genius part. Yeah, it sounds generic and scalable. Sound, but you wouldn't know because <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm clicking through the thing and I see this video. I'm like, what is this? And he's waving and it's like, hi there, happy birthday. I hope your day is going fantastic. And the sign comes up. He's a motivational speaker guy. And mm-hmm. I'll always remember him because it was the first time I saw it. But he got on video, did that. And guess what? I, well, I just talked about to our millions of listeners out there. Dude did it and I still remember him. Yeah. Now, and it, it's true. Um, th- you know, so I think what we need to do, step one is to put the put the humanity back into these things. And uh, I was actually talking with some other people this week about the um, about, well, s- podcasts and scripting of podcasts or oh. scripted conversations. I'm sure, you know, this is not a scripted conversation and I'm sure that's quite clear. I am not a fan of scripted conversations. One of the first, when I, when I was really trying to early on dig into L and D podcasts, what I found was I found, uh, the ATD or TD magazine where you could get the podcast, but the podcasts were the editor reading articles from the magazine. That's not what I want from a podcast. That might be what I want from an audio book, you know, but that's not what I want from a podcast. That's not what I would want from a training either. So I think scripting is one of those things where if you're good at reading something, it's really hard to read something and make it sound natural. And I have done that in the past, <clears throat> but I've, I've done that out of necessity. I have learned to do that because I've been kind of put in positions where I have to say shit confidently and make it sound accurate when I don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of what I'm talking about. And I think that's sometimes part of what training is required to do. You can't necessarily have your trainers be subject matter experts, but they have to present this information in a natural sort of way, or at least a believable sort of way. And that's the one sort of instance where I can give somebody a bit of an asterisk and say, well, okay, if you're going to be, if you're, if you're a, if you're a pro and you can read a script and make it sound like you're not reading a script, you may not want to use your camera because it's going to look a little bit like you're reading a script. Now, truth be told, so. I mean, most people have two monitors, right? You yeah. with a webcam, you can move it. You don't have to use the one on your computer. So even if you're reading a script, no one's going to see it. It's not like you have a piece of paper that you need to do. Yeah. Your other monitor. Yeah. Well, and, and interestingly enough, that's exactly what I've done um, recently. So in March, I had to do some, some budget training and it, believe it or not, not an accountant. It wasn't my strong suit. I had my PowerPoint notes in the corner of my screen and just, yep. just above my PowerPoint notes, I had my, my really nice web camera. So I'm reading those notes and I'm making it sound like I'm not reading those notes. And it looks like I'm looking at the camera talking to people. 
Well, it, okay. So that, that goes back to prep though, too. Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I, so many people in learning and development will say, okay, I have, a, I have an ILT. So they'll prep. And then some will still use notes. You know, one mm-hmm. of my easiest ways that I prep is, you know, I'll print out the PowerPoint, three slides to a page. Yeah. And then there's the lines to the right. I think there's like seven or eight lines. Every other line, I put a bullet point and then that becomes my script. Mm-hmm. And then mentally I talk through that, but I know the bullet points and I kind of write just a little sentence. And then in between each slide, I put a transition. That's how I prep. But a lot of people don't spend the amount of time to prep for a webinar as they do an instructor led or in person. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe it's because we don't feel as invested. Maybe it's the same thing going back to social media. Maybe it's one of the reasons that everybody's a big man on the internet is because they don't have the fear of the repercussions. Like when you're in person, you know how bad it's going to feel to fall flat on your face. Whereas if you're uh, you've got the distance of a, of a internet connection between you and your audience, then maybe yeah. you're not as invested in that failure. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, all I know is, you know, I never want to meet some of my neighbors. I'm not next door in the amount that they fight on different things. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but you know, Dan, you've used, you know, if Gibbs was here, we could talk about it a little bit too, uh, uh. but you guys used multiple cameras when you were doing yeah. some so well, actually some it reminded me it was part of my prep i made notes but i'm not even looking at those notes right now wow. yeah so well, there was so me and gibbs we both used cameras uh when we were doing our, our kind of two-headed beast thing where uh i was in one webinar room where the thermostat was perfect and gibbs was in the other webinar room and so we had it was like it, we were just two talking heads kind of like a brady bunch sort of format but i haven't seen that a lot and that's something that we've utilized even multiple now we even haven't going, even seen one camera a lot no, you know? we don't see one camera a lot and you know it's interesting um matilda on there it, it, she's been working on with with one of her clients um and matilda somebody on our team and there's three cameras now so she has the business she has the SME, and then she has the host so there's the, literally three cameras of people talking and sometimes she'll turn off her camera you know if they're going into depth and things like that it's like okay guys i'm gonna turn off my camera and they're gonna take you through this depending mm-hmm. upon the situation or what they're presenting um but using multiple cameras and it really adds engagement because people are engaged just like if we were in person well it absolutely does and actually so there's another situation where i had a multiple camera setup and it was multiple cameras for me just because i think that highly of myself um you so, said multiple i <laughs> did on. no were you well, so, doing like a matrix thing where you had the camera all the way around you <laughs> i was doing bullet time and uh <laughs> it took forever but the so this was when we were trotting out one of the uh, the um, the loan origination platforms that you guys use, one of the apps for it and yeah. for, I think, the wholesale, the external audience for that. And what I did was, because I'm demonstrating this app, and this took, man, this took some time to figure out how this was going to go. What we were demonstrating up until that point, the guy that was demonstrating it was essentially part of the business. He was a subject matter expert, and he had an iPhone that he was very easily able to hook up to his computer and basically just use his iPhone as a screen that he could project. And so you could watch him use the app. That was not the situation that I had. So what I had to figure out was how to get my Android screen projected. Uh, And what I ended up doing was 
through a whole freaking lot of testing, I ended up inviting myself through a second email address to the session, logging into the session from my cell phone as well as my computer. From my computer, as the host on the computer, I gave the attendee, that was my cell phone, I gave that attendee presenter privileges, and then the attendee, that was my cell phone, then presented and shared its screen. So there was an audio element that I also had to figure out because I had to shut down the audio on one side uh, and keep the audio on the other going. So I didn't get like this crazy feedback thing that I was just forcing down the pipe. But um, why I had two cameras set up, because you're probably thinking, well, you're sharing your screen. That's terrific, right? But when you share your screen on an app, all you're seeing is the app side of it. And I wanted to make it as engaging as possible. And I wanted to show people what the actual swiping and the hand selecting stuff looked like Uh, because again there you are you're putting the humanity back into it so what i did was i had a second on uh it was like a boom uh, a boom arm sort of thing i just hooked up a webcam that had a face down look and i actually printed out a nice little mat that that was the then the backdrop for my phone but then i just had my phone sitting on the desk and i had my hand that was swiping and selecting and using the keyboard to type stuff while sharing that screen so i didn't have both cameras going at the same time i had either the camera looking at me when i did the introduction and the outro the outro duction Mm-hmm. Why do we call it an outro? Just because in versus Intro, out? Intro, outro. I don't know. Yeah, but is there, there, that's not a short form for anything, is it? I don't know. I don't know. I'm Googling These that. are the questions that kept me out of the really good schools. Um, <laughs> if I can steal from George Carlin. Uh, but so then I would switch when I was doing the actual work. I would switch to the other camera, keep the humanity into it by showing the swiping. So people could see what actions I was taking. Because you don't know the actions that people are doing when all you see is the screen. All you mm-hmm. see is a screen. So I, I wanted to give them both sides. I got a lot of really, really good feedback from that session. I from remember both, you, yeah, yeah, I remember you doing and that. And you, you even created a stage for your phone. I remember you creating right, a yeah. stage. So it was like your phone was in the center and it was. It, yeah, there was a nice it, backdrop to mm-hmm. it. Like uh, it just it was just a pattern backdrop, a geometric pattern. But the other thing that I did that I thought was. Well, I thought this was cool. So I had my phone <laughs> and then beside my phone printed on this backdrop was essentially the itinerary for the stuff that I was going through on the phone. And what I would try to do is cross stuff off. So now you're seeing my hand cross stuff off on a checklist as we do the thing on the phone, because who doesn't love crossing stuff off a list, you know, and people can see what's still going on. It was basically the agenda, uh, agenda of the session. Yeah. And that took a lot of prep. Oh, God, yeah. I remember you cutting out things, figuring that out. Oh, yeah. Uh, But it went off flawlessly. Um, Dan, that's something actually just to make a note that we need to talk about in March in our presentation about virtual training. I need to know. Amen. I I prepped. You prepped. I think (laughs) we need to talk about that. That's fantastic. (laughs) Uh, But that came out really good. And that was the kind of thinking outside the box, utilizing video, where a lot of people aren't even utilizing video on themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let alone, you know, and, and I've, I've always said apps do not need training because it's a freaking app. If it's not good enough to figure out on your own, then your developers sucked and you screwed up somewhere and it's your own problem. Deal with it. But um, but sometimes our job as trainers is to put lipstick on pigs. You know, yes. we, we have to do that. Sometimes they turn into Miss Piggy and they're terrific and everybody loves them. So mm-hmm. I think uh, this was one of those situations. 
Yeah. All right. What? Uh, what? Uh, any other scenarios that you can think of that training uh, webinars really they things that they really need or things that you really like to see in them or you have seen or you've done well? Yeah. Um, and you you touched on it. I, I think one of the biggest things is the informality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, we were talking. I, I went out with a vendor um, on Thursday, and these guys were they're great. And actually, Dan, you would love them. They're a compliance vendor. They do a lot of compliance training. They do compliance videos, hmm. and they're actors. And they they use humor. They use fun to really get the compliance training done. And um, love these guys. They're they're fantastic. One of the things that we talked about, though, is how compliance training gets very serious. And I see that a lot in webinars, too. People kind of take what they would normally talk to people, just talk to people in an instructor-led training. They get up, they move around, they talk, they stand. A lot of times in webinar training, to go well, you need to be doing the same thing, Mm -hmm. right? You need to get up out of your seat, stand up when you're speaking, just like you were presenting. And so... I guess it's not going really well. I'm, I kind of took the opposite way, but going really bad is kind of sitting down and you hear the muffled thing and you hear, it sounds like the webinar is drowning off. I think people need to stand up, get out there, get on video and talk like they were just in front of people. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think that makes a big difference. And that's, that's one of the things that I've actually, um, you know, cause I do, I do offer voiceover services, ladies and gentlemen, if that's something you're into, uh, you can, you can write words down and they will come out of my mouth exactly how you want to hear them. Uh, it's kind of a superpower I have, but, um, one of the things that I've learned in my kind of education around voiceover is the fact that you can, if you gesture with your arms, if you move your body as if you're actually just moving your body normally, then your, your voice comes across differently. You know, yes. your voice becomes more animated. It's the same line that you hear. If you've got a smile and dial, you've got a smile and dial people can hear you've heard this trope that people can hear a smile on the other end of the phone so if you're not smiling they'll know um and i think there's a lot of truth to that you know so i, I think that i found that's... an article one time that i actually used in sales training and, and we can look it up it was an article that i found but it actually changes the decibels of your voice because you your airway changes oh yeah and you become people gravitate towards that. And it was hmm. talking about that. If you stand and you're smiling, it actually changes the way your voice comes out verse and people can hear it through the phone. Yeah. And so people can hear it through the webinar. Um, but I think the best webinars, somebody's excited. They're energetic. Yeah. They're not talking. I mean, there's things you have to do. I think, you know, we all agree with there's certain uh, beats that you have to hit as part of training, but if you can make an informal type of tone, people are more likely to listen to you. And that gets lost so many times. You can deliver the exact same content. A lot of trainers will go out there in person. They'll be all excited. You put the exact same content in a webinar and it's like, Hey, how you doing? It's good. You know? Yeah. People, people don't have the mindset that they still have to bring it. They, yes. they feel like, oh, this is less than, so I can do less than. And that mindset is going to get you in trouble all sorts of ways. You need to approach it, yeah, from a, a high energy, positive, uh, serious investment perspective, yes. you know. And, and I think the more people that do that, the better off you're going to be. There was one other note that I wrote. I, I mean, I wrote a lot of notes, but there was one that I thought was kind of an interesting idea. And it was this idea of diversifying your engagement portfolio, because we were talking about generational differences a bit before. And I really, I don't want to fall into the trap of 
always talking to generations because I think a lot of that's bullshit. I think that maybe there were some cultural norms and those change, you know, but I still think that there's a lot of humanity in, well, if you can imagine, each generation is comprised of humans um, and, and humans in and of themselves, they want to be engaged with, you know, nobody's looking at a blank wall all mm-hmm. the time and enjoying mm-hmm. that. Nobody does. So we have to scratch whatever itch is out there. And I think that we have to do it in a lot of different ways. We can't rely on just one. Maybe some people are like, I don't care about your bells and whistles. Just give me the information. Great. Well, we're already providing the information. Now, what about the people that are there and they they don't really want to be there? So, you know, throw them a bit of entertainment, throw a few jokes in here and there for those. And not everybody has to get every single joke that you say. I think that's one of the things that trips people up is is they say uh, or, or something that kind of causes them to self-censor jokes. And I'm not talking about dirty jokes, obviously, because everybody loves those. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but um the, the idea that your joke has to land with everybody, your joke only has to land with the people that the joke is for. If it goes mm-hmm. over, if I make a joke about Ariana Grande, um, which I couldn't do because I don't even know enough about her to make a joke about her. Uh, I think then, she has a new album. Is that your joke? No, I have no idea. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, but the idea is that the people that know Ariana Grande and get that thing, they'll appreciate that. It's the same thing like with memes that you see on the internet. Memes are great for people that get memes. They're not great yep. for people that don't get memes. But does that mean that you shouldn't use memes ever? No. Sure. You should use them for the people that want to see them and hear them and, and, and whatever. You know. So I think that that's a big thing that we need to try to do a small dive into the different pockets of the audience and throw each of them a bone every now and then to keep that particular palette engaged, you know? Yep. I, you know, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, it's, it's kind of something that we've talked, uh, recently at, at, um, at my company we were talking, I was talking with one of the trainers and I said, you know, make sure that you put the material in the attachment part. Because there's certain people that mm-hmm. wanted the material right away. Yep. And there's others that are like, send it me after and I'm going to be engaged. And I was like, make sure we're attaching this. And it, it happened to yeah. do with 2020 planning. And I'm like, make sure you attach it right away. There will be the ones that pull it up to walk through with you in that class. Because everybody learns a little bit different. Everybody wants different things and try to, trying to cater to the different ones. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a Gary V thing too. Not to, I don't want him to influence too much of this podcast, but um, he hasn't texted me back yet. If he texts <laughs> me back, we are going to talk son about of a Gary bitch. V nonstop. Um, so one of the things that, you know, he does a lot of Q and A's with people and they, they, they often ask questions that are, well, so should I do this or should I do that? And his answer is often, do you have to do both? If you want to do the thing, if you want to achieve the thing that you want to do, you have to do both of those things. And, and just like your example of handouts there, if it should, well, do I want to attach it or do I want to email it after you want to do both because it's, it's for the audiences that it's for, it's not for you. It's not just that the information is available. You got to have the user guide. You got to have the quick reference guide. You got to have the e-learning. You got to have the webinar to, to, I mean, you don't have to have it all, all the time, of course, but you know, you got to be able to suit each audience appropriately. And when you're talking about virtuals, it's, it's funny because I, I've, I've thought about this before and I remember it coming up. It's like, well, if we give them the, if we give them the presentation right away, they're just going to skip ahead. Who gives a shit? 
Who gives a shit? Let them skip ahead. That's what they want to do. No one cares. And then they're not going to pay attention exactly. anyways. Yeah. You know, if they're not skipping ahead in your thing, they're, they're going to skip ahead to something else. They're going to right. leave your webinar. Yes. So yeah, just make it both. Make it both. Make it both. Hey, so I had a question for you talking yeah. about best practices. And yeah. this is something I know you do and wanted to get your perspective on. When you're starting a webinar, do you give the audience kind of direction as far as how they should be paying attention? How they what should you pay attention? Yeah. So like, hey, guys, we're going to be going through this webinar. Ask you to not be checking emails because you give uh, the audience prompts. I've heard you do it yeah, with, yeah. you know, hey, guys, go ahead and put your hands up on the keyboard. You're almost commanding them to engage. You do it subtly. You don't, you know, yeah. don't yell at them. But you're, you're telling them, <laughs> hey, guys, go ahead and put your hands up on your keyboard. I really want you guys to go ahead and type right in there versus just, hey, put something in the chat box. You're like prescriptive about put your hands up yeah. on the keyboard. What do you think about being prescriptive of, hey, guys, we're going to be going through this content. I'm going to ask you not to multitask. You know, I have... Um, uh, I don't know if I've never made it part of my uh, my routine. Now my my day job now requires a lot less webinars, but um, I do know that in the past, if I wasn't getting engagement, I would jokingly tell people to close, you know, their YouTube browser window or their Amazon shopping window or shoes.com. <laughs> like, come on back, you know. Dan, uh, I see you shopping. I know what you're buying. <laughs> that freaks people out too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, I've never really opened a session like that. And I think, I think, I don't know if we have the, um, what the hell is the word I'm looking for? The commit, not commitment. I don't know that we have the right, and that's not the right word, but I don't know that we have the, I'm going to use it for now. I don't know that we have the right to ask for that yet because we haven't really earned the, us to say everybody shut the rest of your world down. And I am the most important thing right now. Well, hold on. We do it in, in instructor led trainings. We do it all the time. You're right. You're right. But they're different creatures. Um, hmm. They're different creatures though. They are. But is it is it part of setting the expectations when you're going into the training? I don't know. That's that's a good question. I I, I like the idea of it. I like the idea of setting the tone that that might be the expectation. And if you want to deviate from that, well, now you're now you're now you're a deviant. <laughs> now you're deviating, you weirdo. Um, but uh, and I think you got to set it right. Right, right you got to set it in the right tone. Right, you can't be like, oh yeah, you know, put your phones away because this is an important webinar. And let's need review to be the rules. Let's of the review webinars. the rules. Yeah, yeah, and. <laughs> Hmm. I love because that can be done poorly too, right? It's done poorly all the time in instructor led training. Yeah. And we're going to take breaks for five minutes. Yeah. And we need you back. Like, don't talk to me like I'm two. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, speaking of treating people like grownups, let's let these people get the hell out of here. Uh, I, unless there's anything else that you wanted to uh, throw out there for, uh, for virtuals and how they can be done well, sir. No, I am Our good. We'll continue that conversation because we got a lot more to cover on it. Oh, we sure do. We should. We got to build out a whole presentation. <laughs> there will be more conversations. Okay. Uh, if you want to find the notes for all the ridiculous stuff that we mentioned today, mosby.ca slash 011. This is, in fact, episode 11. If you want to email us and say that something hit a chord with you or it just... It, 
you, you didn't like the thing that we said. Well, that's all right, too. Yeah. Uh, or if you have thoughts about the setting expectations and virtuals. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm actually go. really curious on that because yeah. I, I don't see that happening very often. And so I'm curious if anyone's had success doing that. All right. Let's be prescriptive, uh, prescriptive here. If you host webinars or you've attended webinars where you've seen this in practice or you've done this or you have an opinion on it, I want you to jump into your Google Mail or your Outlook or your Yahoo or your MSN and just type in mosbylearning at gmail.com and, uh, and fire us off an email there. Adam, how do you want people to get a hold of you? Uh, the best is just Adam Costix at Gmail, or you can always hit me up on LinkedIn, and it's just my name, Adam Costix. There you go, and that's C O S T A K E S. Uh, I am Dan Hurt, H-I-R-T. You can find me on LinkedIn, and I'm starting to debate whether we should be on other social media platforms, at least as Mosby Learning. We'll see. But um, yeah. <laughs> You keep trying to get off of social. You keep, I do, man. You're, going, man you're, I, you're experimenting without smartphones, but yet we are going to proliferate all know, these other ones. Um, I'm not oblivious of, to the fact that this is the way the world is. I just don't want to be a part of it, but sometimes you have to be a part I of it. I think we should go to TikTok for first tiktok okay it's it's fertile ground uh music from this uh from this episode is from incompetech.com and that's uh kevin mcleod right now you're hearing the show must be go and i do enjoy that so uh thank you guys very much for your time and we will talk to you next week have a great day I, I really think that maybe there's some connection between the way that we create content. I'm on meth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard about this the other day. Don't talk to me like I'm two. Mm -hmm. I don't get this. I don't get this.